welcome to the podcast. My name is Thomas J. Sotvet. And I'm your co-host, Vicky Sotvet. Which makes this Scaredy Cats, the show that you just can't get out of your head no matter how hard you scrub. Justin. No, with uh, alcohol and vinegar and holy water. I feel like there's a reference here that I don't understand. It's like a tangential reference to a, a silly YouTube video. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Is it the same one where they say the termite king demands it? Yes. Huh. Okay. Yes. Very good. It's the only line I know from that. Because you quote it a lot. I do. So, Ricky, uh, what is the worst nightmare you have ever had? Uh, this is easy, actually. There's been a couple of real bad ones, but there was one particularly where I was in, like... So, at my school, we had two auxiliary gyms, my high school, right? And um, the hallway that went to them was never well lit. So I had a dream that I was walking down there and there was a football player whose legs had been like mulched up to mid thigh. Like they weren't even cut off. They were gross tatters with like bones. It was bad. Anyways, and he was pulling himself along the floor um, asking for my legs because he needed new legs. Um, And so I turned around and I was trying to run away, but the hallway just kept going. It was like an infinite hallway suddenly. And if you would turn a corner, it was like the same hallway. Anyways, I woke up when he got a hand on my leg and I had to sleep with the lights on for like four days because like just the thought of closing my eyes was terrifying because I thought he'd be waiting at the end of the bed for me. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty intense. Uh, I was trying to decide what the worst nightmare I've ever had is. And I think that would probably be I had a dream once that the space, the crease where the wall meets the floor for some reason was a vacuum. And so if you got too close to it, you got sucked in between the space of the floor and the wall. But the reason why it was, it was scary, but like the reason why it was the worst is because I woke up and for some reason my blanket didn't feel right. It felt like strangely sharp and angular and not at all soft and just uncomfortable. And I felt like I was lying on pins and needles. So I had to get up. And I don't know, little kid logic, I went downstairs in the dark without putting on any lights by myself and sat on the couch while, and even the couch felt weird and sharp and angular and not good and the the lamp didn't feel right either and nothing felt right. And I remember I just sat there for about an hour being so uncomfortable because everything was not correct. Uh, And then I finally fell asleep on the couch and my parents found me on the couch. Nice. But that's the, that's the worst nightmare I've ever had just because it, it proceeded to continue to fuck with me for like the next hour after I woke up. And I still to this day can't quite even explain why it is things felt bad, but they did and it sucked. Yeah. So today we're talking about uh, the reason why we bring up nightmares is because we're going to be covering Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street for our special episode 20. Woo! Uh, 20, 20 episodes. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a nice little little landmark. We can be proud of ourselves. I'm proud of me and you. I was like, are you just proud of you? Just me. Just proud of me. No, no. (laughs) Uh, So before I launch into what this movie's all about, I'm going to ask Vicky, what do you know about A Nightmare on Elm Street? I know the main guy's called Freddy Krueger. I know what Freddy Krueger looks like because he's like real popular. He's a pop culture icon. They reference him a lot in Deadpool. His fingers are knives. Um, and his face is all fucked up. I know he attacks you in your dreams somehow, I think. Presumably the movie takes place on Elm Street. Okay. That's what I got for you. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but I have to say this is more than I know about Yeah, no, this is actually pretty like this is actually pretty good for you. Uh, so yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street was directed by Wes Craven, who also uh, is the guy responsible for the original Last House on the Left. The Hills have the original Hills Have Eyes this movie scream tons of movies very 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 accredited legendary director uh produced by robert shea who also produced the nightmare on elm street series the whole series for the most part and then went on to do the fellowship of the ring and the two towers that's a change in Mm -hmm. media yeah well he's he works for one line cinema so that's the production company. Oh, so it's not necessarily just like some dude who bankrolls stuff. No, He's no, a representative. No, 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 no. Of he he works okay. for the company, yeah. Okay, uh, that makes more sense. <laughs> it stars Heather Langenkamp as Nancy Thompson, our final girl and main character. Uh, Renee Blakely as Marge Thompson, her mom. Johnny Depp as Glenn Lansk. What? Or Lance, Lance, Lance. Yeah, Johnny Depp. Uh, and the legendary Robert England as Freddy Krueger. And Freddy Krueger has 
only been played by Robert England except for the remake. But he has always played Freddy Krueger. Robert England plays lots of people, though. He's got, like, 200 and something acting credits. It's, it's insane. That is a lot. Yeah. Uh, it had a budget of $1.8 million and returned a total of $57 million. It's a pretty good investment. Good investment. Um, some fun facts about the film are that Wes Craven originally got the idea for the movie after reading an article about Asian men who were reporting having strange death dreams. Uh, one of the men reporting these strange dreams actually did die in his sleep, which prompted a government investigation into the matter. Were they all, like, on drugs, or...? I don't know. I didn't really... Oh, do... they did a government investigation, and well, I, just I, that? It, it says, like, eight Asian men, too. It doesn't say what country or any of that, so... This feels very vague. This feels so vague. I'm sure we could make a conspiracy theory about how it's like MK Ultra it could, giving people LSD without knowing. It could have been like Wes Craven was sitting in line at the groceries and looked over at a tabloid and was like, haha, that's weird. But that would make a good movie. And then the subheading <laughs> is Aliens Kidnap Princess Diana or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the movie uh, made back its budget in only three days. Wow. Yeah. It was a freaking hit uh, with... Uh, Horror buffs, like, at your standard moviegoers, and critics all just loved it. Uh, absolutely blew up. Uh, Wes Craven originally planned for the movie to end without teasing a sequel. It was supposed to be standalone, but uh, Robert Shea and New Line uh, wanted, wanted sequels, and so they made him change the ending to the ending that is on there now, which in my opinion is a, is a goofy, silly ending, and it would have been much better if they had let Wes Craven keep his ending. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was Johnny Depp's first acting job his his acting debut huh. uh, he almost lost the role to charlie sheen but charlie sheen wanted more money and they were like now nah, we're gonna go with this other guy and it's... now we have johnny depp huh funny how these things work out it's funny how these things work out i'm always amazed at the actors they originally consider like in lord of the rings it's like Vigo is so perfect for the role and then i remember that it was supposed to be nick cage is who they were originally thinking nick cage is they're, I'm always surprised whenever it's like uh, like Superman could have been Nick Cage. Bat, I think Batman at one point could have been Nick Cage. Like there's an alternate universe where all of these movies are Nick Cage, and I can't tell if they're better or worse for it. I think they're worse. I think they're better, but not in the same way that say Vigo is as Aragorn. Like they're better because they're the movies we laugh about and get high to. Not watch. even necessarily laugh about. I don't know. I think he gets. I think Nick Cage gets a lot of hate, but there's a couple of movies that he's really good in, like Mandy. We'll cover Mandy eventually. Uh, anyway, that's all I've got for uh, part one on A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, oh, I guess I should say when it was made. It was made in 1984. Good year. Good year. That's George Orwell all... was very concerned about that year. He was very concerned about it, but instead of having a surveillance military state government, we got A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. I think I'd rather have the latter. For a second, I forgot which order Ladder and Former went in. I was like, you want a government surveillance state? <laughs> no, I'd much rather have this movie. That's fair. Uh, Good so, choice. So now we're going to go watch the movie uh, in our part two, where we will return and break it down for you. So we're going to go do that. Stay frosty out there. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your cure suffix. Seven, eight, gonna stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. Unless I just don't believe in you, and then apparently that works. The Zen Masters, just like the Zen Masters. So you know, I appreciate if you're gonna use a creepy children's rhyme, you make your own. Yeah. Because normally they just sing some like Ring weird slow down it's version. Ring around the Rosie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was at least creative of them to come up with their own creepy verse. Although I guess uh, Dead Silence did the same thing. Yeah, but like every horror movie trailer I've ever seen is like Ring around the Rosie. slowed or like um, what's another popular children's Twinkle version? Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Yeah, it's all like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Though the only time I could I can remember being used in a horror movie context is for the Dead Space video game. That's fair, but I, I, at least they made their own their own nursery rhyme. That's true. So here we are talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street. We just finished watching it. Uh, now in our part two of the podcast is where we're going to break it down for you bit by bit, crunchy detail after crunchy detail. So uh, if you want to go watch it and you don't want it to be spoiled for you, then go watch it. 
You can rent it on the PlayStation Go Store. Go watch it, you fool. If you do rent it on the PlayStation Store, we've discovered they don't have closed captions through those movies, so be aware of that. So if you're deaf... Or have audio processing disorders. Or have disorders. audio processing disorders, don't rent it on PlayStation. <laughs> Find it somewhere else. Yes. Uh, so, Vicky, you want to take us away here? Yes. Well, the, the first thing that happens is we get, uh, we get an introduction to Tina... And the second thing that happens immediately is I learned my one fact about the movie was wrong. His fingers are not knives. They're just a glove with some knives on them. Yes, his, he, he has a knife uh, knife glove that he uses, which actually the very first shot in the movie is us seeing an unseen person constructing said glove and testing it out. And then we get our title card and then we're introduced to Tina, who is sporting a nightgown in... A boiler room of all places. What a strange place for a teenager in a nightgown to be. Yes, and then it gets even stranger because there's this random sheep that wanders across <laughs> the hall and you're like, hmm. And then she starts doing the thing that people do where you're like, you're running in the dream, but like even though you're doing the full running motion, you're not moving yeah. any faster than normal. It's one of those things, if it, was a if it was a purposeful detail, then it was good. It could just be that Tina's actress, for some reason, can't, can't run, run properly. Or at all. Well, I mean, to be fair, she's in her bare feet, and it doesn't look like the most clean and hygienic place, so maybe there was gravel on the ground or whatever. I choose to interpret it as a good movie deliberate detail, because right. her running is so weird that it was, that it seemed... It, it seemed deliberate. It was very... Because that is how you run in nightmares. For sure. It was very strange looking, so... Yes. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, she gets backed into a corner, um, and she's screaming as a figure with the knife glove jumps up behind her and grabs onto her, but then she sits up in bed, and it was all a dream. Yes, and her mom shows up, and she's like, what's your problem, Tina? And then her mom's boyfriend shows up and is like, come back to bed. It's like, you can come back to the sack. Yeah, he sounds like a real classic. Sounds guy. like a real. We meet winner. him. We meet him for fifteen seconds, and it's enough to be like, I don't like you. You're like, oh, you. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Tina doesn't seem too phased by the nightmare, despite the fact that she's sweating, and because she's just like, it's just a dream. Don't worry about it, mom. Don't worry about it. And she's <laughs> she's also at like an older teenager level, right, where you don't want to be fussed over by your parents. Uh, that's like, true. I'm fine. That's Deal true. With it. Uh, however, Tina's mom then points out that she needs to sleep. Uh, a little bit more gently because her nightgown has been gashed. She's uh, got to cut her fingernails. Yeah, she's got to cut her fingernails because her nightgown's been cut uh, right where the figure with the knife glove grabbed her. And uh, she's like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that sure is weird. I'm sorry, if you ever see a perfectly smooth six-inch slit in our children's clothing Shut and you're like, hmm, need to cut your fingernails, we're going to have a talk about physics and biology. Yeah, although, like, little little kid fingernails are sharp as fucking knives, man. Yeah, but she's 16. She's 16. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah her, her mom's like, clean cuts there, like a wolverine. Better um, cut those nails. Better cut your nails. Yeah. <laughs> Even the nails you get at the salon, the big long acrylic ones, yeah, can't do that. Yeah. Like, come on. So the next day, uh, Tina goes to school and we meet her friends. Uh, her boyfriend, Rod. Who's a dick. Who's well, he's like a very quintessential greaser type, you know. But a dick. Gonna be late to the rumble kind of guy. Uh, but anyway, we meet him. Uh, her best friend, Nancy Thompson. And Nancy's boyfriend, Glenn. Played yes. by Johnny Depp. Who for the longest time I thought was named Lynn. No. Because I heard it as Lynn Every time, until she really emphasized the G. This is why I miss the subtitles. Glenn! So, uh, they talk, um, they just got, like, some teenage banter. Thinks they make fun of Glenn for having, not Glenn, uh, Rod for having a tiny dick. He shows up and immediately starts making moves on Tina, and Tina's like, fuck off, Yeah, Rod. well, yeah, because Tina's telling Nancy about this dream that yeah. she had, and Nancy's like, I had a weird dream, too, and Rod's like, I woke up with a boner with your name on it, Nancy. Or, your Tina. name on it, Tina, and Tina's like... Well, my name's got four letters, so I'm not sure how there would be enough room for my name on your... <laughs> Which is a pretty good burn, to be honest. It is a pretty honest. sick burn. I was like, ooh, um, Tina. <laughs> and we're led to believe this kind of, like, huffy-puffy is, like, standard teenage yeah. spat. The, the yeah. lovers are having a quarrel. The lovers quarrel. Yes. Um, they, they, they basically communicate uh, with each other that, you know, we're all having weird dreams. But uh, specifically, Tina is very, very bothered by the dreams that they've been having. So she asks uh, Rod 
Or she asks uh, Nancy and Glenn to stay overnight because her parents are going to be away. Well, her mom and her mom's boyfriend. Her mom and her mom's <laughs> boyfriend, they're going to be away, yeah. They're in Vegas. They're in Vegas, baby. And so um, she asks them to stay over so that um, so that they can watch her while she sleeps. Because she's yeah. concerned that something fishy is going on it's and a- how right she is. It's not even necessarily to watch her while she sleeps. It's just she's like, I don't really want to be alone. You know what? I'm just calling back to the sheep at the beginning, which is never addressed again. So no, I've never had a random sheep just wander through my dreams. Uh, We had a pretty funny scene where Glenn is on the phone with his mom and he's trying to convince his mom that he's off seeing a relative, I think. It's a cousin who lives beside the airport. Right, a cousin who lives by the airport. And so they've got this like special effects tape that they're playing, kind of like Ferris Bueller. On their boombox from 1980. Yeah, they're, they're trying to pull a Ferris Bueller where they've got the recordings playing on the phone and stuff, but they fuck up because... This FX tape apparently also has, like, screeching cars and, like, shooting guns and people screaming. Their war zone. As, 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 Glenn, as Glenn's trying to be like, no, Mom, it's, there's an accident outside. No, don't worry about it, Mom. No, everybody seems to be fine. Oh, wait, no, it was just the neighbors having a fight. And... I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's actually pretty funny. It is. <laughs> um, and then they hear a noise outside. But a real noise, not a, not a sound effect a, noise. A, a scrapey noise. Yeah, so they go to check it out. And out of the darkness... Rod tackles Glenn. Yeah, tackles him on the ground. Yeah, and then pulls a switchblade when they're like, Rod, why are you here? Don't yeah. be a dick. Well, he's like, I'll show you how to be a dick. And they're like, Rod. <laughs> this is how you be a dick, by threatening people with violence. But he also shows he's got like this uh, little gardening tool that he was using to it's create a, the scratching sounds, a trowel. He's like, check this out, it's gnarly. And then he's like, well, you guys doing it? You guys here for an orgy? And Glenn's like, it's about to be a funeral. And Rod's like, I'll show you a funeral and pulls a knife on him. And I'm like, whoa, 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 escalation. Yeah, Rod (laughs) did not pass the de-escalation class. Oh, my goodness. Eventually all sort of agree that all four of them will stay over. Yeah. And then Rod's like, Tina and I will have her parents' bed. You guys can have the rest of the house. The whole rest of the house. And Glenn's like, hey, man, that sounds good to me. Nancy, you want to suck face for a bit? And Nancy's like, what are you doing, man? We're here to be looking after Tina. Get off me. Yes, Tina does not have the same reservations, though, because she and Rod have the loudest sex I have ever heard. And it's kind of funny because it's also the only sex scene in a slasher movie that doesn't actually show the sex. It just shows Glenn trying to sleep while in the background it's like, oh, God, oh, Jesus. And And Glenn is just like, I just want to go to bed, yeah. guys. <laughs> it, it, it's actually, it, it is funny. It makes it makes it less, like, eye-roll gross and more like, haha. I was honestly quite glad they did not feel the need to show us the teenage sex One, like they need to show us in every other yeah. film. One thing I gotta give credit to uh, Wes Craven and just this movie generally is that all the teenagers feel like teenagers, except for Rod, who... Rod, I felt like, was, um, what do they call it in the States? A senior... Yeah. And everybody else is maybe like, uh, what's 10th? What's why do you not Sophomore. have... more? Yeah. Why yeah. do you not have... Why can't you just have numbers in the States, fam? But, I don't know. Rod felt like two years older to me. So they're all still yeah. in high school, yeah. but he's like about to graduate. He's about to graduate. And he's got his old greaser persona with his switchblade and his leather jacket. And with no shirt underneath. No shirt underneath. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Yes. Um, and so... Tina and Rod, after their really loud sex, determined that they have made up. They will not fight anymore. Yeah, they're fine now. The sex made all better. Yes. Um, And everybody goes to bed, and strange things start to occur throughout the house. Uh, The bed that Nancy is sleeping in, the wall above it that has a crucifix on it, I think the crucifix falls off. And then we see a face and hands pushing through the wall as if it's made out of latex, which is actually how they did the effect, I think. Uh, looming over top of Nancy, but she wakes up at the last second. Uh, the figure retreats back into the wall. She hangs the crucifix back up. Yes, and just before that, uh, Tina is awoken. and She doesn't leave her room yet, but she's hearing someone throwing things at her window and someone is whispering her name. Yeah, like rocks at the window. That It's actually breaking the glass. Yes. Um, and, and then she just goes outside in her nightshirt and underwear to go check that out by yeah. herself. Yeah, the, uh, the characters in this movie are very, very brave. All of them are very brave. They're like, I'm going to go off by myself. But I wouldn't qualify it as like, because you know there's the dumb... You're being a dumb kid in a slasher movie while you're going off by yourself. I really do think it's just that the kids are brave. Really, it's 
only Tina who goes off by herself in this scene. Yeah. Like, no one else actually is like, ooh, think I'll go over here now. No, well, I mean, um, Nancy is later, but that's only because Nancy has to be. And well, we'll, we'll get there. Nancy also is prepared. Yeah, Nancy is a badass. But yeah. anyway, um, so yeah, Tina goes out into the yard and ends up in the alleyway. And there's a trash can lid that hits the ground and alerts her to the presence of our guy. Our fedora wearing, a red stripe, red and green striped sweater wearing guy with uh, knife hands. Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger. And he's got really long, long arms. Yep. I did not like his long arms. I don't know why. I don't know why that concerned me. Because, like, it was ridiculous. And I'm aware it's ridiculous. And it didn't look that scary. But I was very concerned about the length of his arms. Yeah, so he's he's rocking the lanky, lanky arms. Uh, scratching his knife gloves along the garages as he passes them, causing sparks to shoot out. Um, and Tina's like, no thanks, and uh, takes off. Yes. And Freddy Krueger begins to chase her down the alleyway, kind of in a weird... I don't, I don't even know how you describe it. It's like how you chase a child, jokingly. It's, it's almost the way cats chase mice. Mm-hmm. They're going to kill them, but it's going to take a while and they're going to have fun. Yeah, he's, he seems intent on fucking with people for a bit before he kills them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he ends up on top of her and she like reaches up to swat at him and just like pulls his face off. Yeah. So yeah. that was also alarming. And he cuts off his own fingers. Which... Yeah, it was, it was rough. Masochism. Yes. And Rod wakes up because uh, Tina is screaming for him. And we see that she is in bed. Yes, flopping around and rod is like pourquoi uh he doesn't say pourquoi no but his expression that would be funny as hell though his expression (laughs) is very like uh okay what's going on and then four uh perfectly parallel razor marks show up on tina's stomach yeah cutting her right open and she starts screaming and yelling and gets dragged to the corner of the room and then proceeds to be dragged up the wall and onto the ceiling while Rod's just like, ah, what is going on? Yes, Rod is also screaming. He's screaming for Tina and like, Tina, who are you? Tina, I'll fucking kill whoever's Tina. doing this. Yeah. So um, That wakes up the other people in the house, Glenn and Nancy, and they come run into the bedroom door to find it locked. Uh, yes. As Nancy's body hits the, hits the bed in a wet, squishy... Slorp. Sclop. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that effect, by the way, for people at home that are that watch it, is uh, was done by nailing furniture to a roof. And so the room is actually filmed upside down uh, to allow the actress to flail around on the ceiling. On the ceiling. Uh, very, very cool looking. Yes, it's, it's very well done. And frankly, it's an effect that would not be as good with CGI. Mm-mm. Like, sometimes just practical effects are better, fam. Yeah. Yeah, but it looks great. So eventually, um, Glenn and Nancy break through the door to find Rod gone and Tina dead. Yes, and I wasn't expecting Tina to die. I thought she was, like, the main character. So but she nope. was the final girl? Nope. nope. 15 minutes in, she gone. She out of there. Yep. Um, we cut to uh, the cops arriving, seeing what's going on, and I appreciated that. Because they don't normally, like involve cops mm-hmm. in these films or they only involve one cop who's obsessed with shaving constantly and is the worst cop I've ever seen. I I love him. Yes. We also learned the police chief is uh Nancy's dad. I don't think he's chief, he's a sergeant. He's a lieutenant. He's a lieutenant, yeah. The guy in charge for all accounts at this yeah, police. Yeah, if there's station. a police chief then he's on vacation. Yeah. Uh, but he's Nancy's dad, and he and Nancy's mom are divorced. Mm-hmm. And he's real mad that Nancy was over there. Oh, yeah. Like, she could have predicted this murder happening. Well, I think it was more like, uh, why is our teenage daughter spending uh, spending a night in a house with no adults, with her boyfriend and her friend and her boyfriend? What's going on with that? That's true. I definitely more got the vibe that it was because she could have been murdered also, and it's like, you can't predict that happening, mm-hmm. sir. So anyways, uh, they tell their stories to the cop, and the cops uh, make it pretty obvious that they, they think it's Rod that did the killing, and they're, they're, they're currently looking for him, but he's, yes. but he's disappeared and they don't know where he is. Yes, when Nancy uh, wakes up the following morning and goes downstairs, the news is talking about the victim, 15-year-old Christina, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Rod Lane, I think is his last name, is the subject of a citywide manhunt, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So 
everybody knows or think they know that it's Rod. It's Rod. Uh, Nancy's mom is having a little bit of little hair of the dog in the morning. Um, she drinks a lot in this movie. So much vodka. So much vodka. Uh, she's dumping it into her coffee, but when Nancy tries to leave for school, she's stopped by her mom, and and she's like, why are you going to school? You, you, you just had a traumatic event happen and, to you last night. <laughs> and Nancy's like, it's okay, I'll sleep in study hall. Yeah, she's like, I need to stay busy. If I'm in my room, I'm gonna go crazy. Which is fair, to yeah. be honest, because, like, even without traumatic murder, like, when I found out my, my last grandpa had died, I, that was a weird way to phrase it. I have two grandpas, obviously, and they've both the final, died. The final grandpa. Yeah, when the second one died, and I ran out of grandpas, I found out half an hour before I was supposed to be at work, and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna go to work about it, because otherwise I'm just gonna sit on this couch and be miserable, yeah. so. Sometimes you just need to stay busy. Yeah. Um, but Nancy doesn't sleep in study hall. Nancy falls asleep in English class while they're talking about Julius Caesar. And specifically, the speech, because uh, they, they're doing the, like, please stand up and have your, your read the speech. The speech specifically he's reading from in, in Julius Caesar, I recognize, it's called the No Fear Speech. And it's a speech that Brutus gives where he is sick because he hasn't been sleeping well, but he has no fear of what is to come. Mm -hmm. So... Good job on that uh, that <laughs> reference there. I've always got... I have a note here that's like, why is it that English classes and movies are always poignantly covering the subject the characters are currently struggling with? Through Shakespeare, through somehow. Through Shakespeare, generally, sometimes through other literary... Classics. Uh, classics. It's true. It's They're always incredibly relevant but it's to the all, moment. It's always on fucking point. <laughs> but what I appreciated about that one was if you weren't familiar with the speech, it would just be like a class in which he's reading mm. Shakespeare. Mm. But anyway, Nancy clearly isn't as roused as we all are talking about it because she falls asleep and then wakes up to see everybody in the class sitting totally still at their desks. But the kid who's up reading Shakespeare is now kind of mumbling to himself. And she hears Tina call her from the side, turns and sees that poor Tina is in a body bag, all covered in blood. Yeah, it was actually, I thought, a really good effect because you... You can see just enough to understand it's Tina, like it's the same haircut, but you can't actually see any details because it's kind of this steamy, bloody bag, mm -hmm. which it's it's weird because this movie actually shows us a lot less of like stuff than a lot of other movies, but I think it's way more effective in doing so. It's not way in your face with any of the violence. Uh, it's more like a, they're more like set pieces when they do exist. It's, ah, look at this horrible thing, not constant bombardment of horrible things. Yeah, I think they utilize the dream setting really, really well mm -hmm. and have it... It's a slow lead into the crazy dream. Yeah. It's never just like, oh, suddenly you're dreaming. So Nancy heads out into the hallway because she's like, Tina, babe, what's up? Uh, but Tina... She sees Tina at the end of the hallway <laughs> getting dragged away uh, by some unseen force. Yes, and Tina has died again in her body bag. Yeah, she's no she's, longer she's, calling. She's her arm is... She's lying on the ground. Her arm flops to the ground in a squishy, bloody mess. Yes, and she leaves a trail of blood that... Uh, trail of blood. ...that Nancy starts following. So follow the trail Nancy does, and she ends up running down a hallway and collides with another girl that's in the hall. The and, hall monitor. The hall monitor, and she's like... Where's your pass? Because she gets knocked onto the ground. We see the hall monitor is wearing the exact same sweater that Freddy Krueger wears. Yes. The red and the green stripes. It's not quite the same. The stripes are different. They're not, like, equal. They're yeah. different thicknesses. But it's the same colors. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Nancy's like, screw your pass. Yes. Fuck authority. <laughs> and then, the in a totally different voice, the hall monitor says something that I forget, but it's weird and creepy. Nancy. Yeah, or something like that. Don't run in the halls. Yeah, it's clearly she's dreaming. Yeah. Um, side uh, but, note, but is you, that well, a real thing? Hmm? Are hall monitors a real thing oh, in yeah, the yeah. States? Oh, yeah, yeah, Well, I don't know anymore if they are, but they definitely were in the 80s, for sure. Okay. Um, but she does look back at the hall monitor girl, and she is now sporting Freddy's uh, knife glove mm -hmm. uh, as she says this. But Nancy's like, that's strange, moving on. Uh, and makes her way to a set of stairs, because that's where the blood trail is leading, uh, that goes down into... The boiler room! The boiler room! And it says, no students allowed. And Nancy's like, hmm, that sign's not going to stop me. <laughs> Nothing in this movie stops her from doing anything she wants to do. No, so <laughs> she's she's going through the uh, boiler room, looking for what's going around, uh, and then she hears the distant scrape of finger knives. Squeak. 
And there's Freddy. There's Freddy, and this is the first time we get to really, like, see him in full light. We see that he's got a horribly scarred scarred up face. Uh, he's wearing his hat, his sweater. Um, his knife glove. His knife glove, sporting all his usual stuff. Um, and he's telling her to come to Freddy. Yes. As he's chasing her around. And he's doing the same thing he did with... T- it's very cat and mouse. He knows he's going to kill her and he's going to take his time. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to mess with her. But because he's taking his time, our clever Nancy realizes, ah, I'll just stick my arm on this boiler, which is real hot. Uh, and if you've ever liked on the pinch yourself to wake up in a dream... It's basically that yeah. times a hundred. And she wakes up screaming in her English class. Yeah, and everybody's like, whoa, I know Shakespeare can be a drag, but chill, lady. To be fair, I felt like their reactions were valid because in a high school class, if somebody started screaming like that, I too would just turn around and stare at them. It was a lot like uh, Hereditary when uh, he slams his face into the desk and the entire class is just like, whoa, shuts down. Yes, there were no cell phones recording it. Though. No cell phones, no. <laughs> but uh, Nancy assures her teacher that she's just she's fine she just needs to go home now and so she gathers up all of her stuff but as she's leaving she notices that the burn mark is is still there on her hand yes so she suffered that damage in real life yes and so she elects not to go home but to go to the police station where mm. she visits rod I think we totally forgot to mention oh, was oh. captured because he was talking to Nancy and the police were using Nancy as bait and arrested Rod. Yes, that's right. On Nancy on the on the way to school, Nancy ends up getting grabbed into a bush by Rod and Rod's like on the lamb. He's not wearing any shoes. He's still got no shirt, but he got a leather jacket. Aye. Uh never without. And uh he's he assures Nancy that he's innocent. Uh, but before they can talk much longer, Nancy's dad is able to capture him and arrest him. So now he's in jail. Yes. And then all and that stuff, <laughs> all that stuff we said happens, happens. Uh, and then Nancy goes to visit Rod. And while they're chatting, Rod behind bars, they learn that Rod had the same dream about a guy in a red and green sweater with some finger knives. Yeah. And, uh, he insists that there was someone else in the room when Tina died, but he, he couldn't see him. But he's like, there was someone under the covers with her. And then they get talking about dreams. And then he asks Nancy, do you think I'm guilty? And Nancy says, no, I I actually don't think you are. And then she leaves. Yes. Uh, And then she's having a bath. Yeah. And she's very tired in her bath. And as she goes off... Oh, and they they have mentioned, I think, um, up to this point, a couple of times just in passing conversations with each other, that it's like the old school skip rope nursery rhyme, which is what I sang for all of you at the beginning of this section. I think they mentioned that Um, right at the beginning when they all go to school. Right at the beginning, Like, Tina's still alive when they uh, have that conversation. Yeah, but while Nancy is in the bath, she's singing it to herself, and then she falls asleep. Yes, and while she's dozing, uh, we get a shot from the end of the bath... With Freddy's hand coming up. And I liked this shot because even though it's a shot of a teenager we know is in a bathtub naked between her legs. And it's pretty suggestive, generally. It's still far less, like, sexy, sexy time than, like, the shower scene in Carrie or anything else similar. It's it's way more tasteful than the shower scene in Carrie. Which I think is actually much more effective because I'm way less concerned about why are you showing me softcore porn of teenagers and way more, like... Ooh, knife hands in the bath! Uh, Luckily, though, Nancy does wake up before the knife hand is able to do anything. Uh, Because her mom is like, don't fall asleep in there! People drown all the time! People drown doing that! And Nancy's like, God, Mom! Don't worry about it, Mom! And then she... And then she falls asleep again. And instead of a hand (laughs) this time, she is pulled under the water. Pulled right under. So it's like there's suddenly a new space underneath the bathtub that she's been pulled into, and there's... Uh, the bladed hand is reaching up to grab onto her, but she manages to break the surface again and pull herself out of the bathtub, screaming and yelling as her mom is trying to break through the door to get at her. Yes. Just uh, her mom f- actually very, very cleverly grabs, like, a wire or something like that and is, like, picking the lock to get into the... Yeah, she she bathroom. actually gets in just bef- just as Nancy gets out of the mm-hmm. tub. So it's not even Nancy's been out for a while. And I want to say, despite the fact that Nancy's mom is drunk for, like, 90% of this so, film... Yeah. She is also somehow simultaneously the most caring and competent mother in, like, any of these horror she, films She yet. definitely cares a lot about her daughter and just wants what's best for her daughter. It's just, yeah, she drinks a lot. She's just a high-functioning alcoholic about <laughs> it. a very high-functioning alcoholic. Yes. And then uh, Johnny Depp, a.k.a. Glenn, sneaks in through Nancy's window. Yeah, well, specifically, the uh, the bathroom scene is also resolved 
when Nancy's like, it was just a dream. I fell asleep. You're right. No, she said she fell getting she out of fell, the She fell, yeah. And then Nancy's mom is like, okay, that's fair. Yes. And then Glenn sneaks into her room. Yeah. And they have a whole conversation where he's like, do you know how uncomfortable it is to stand on a rose trellis in your bare feet? Let me into your window. And I'm like, why don't people wear shoes in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's not even in the dreaming part. You could put on shoes. You could put on shoes, man. Yes. And then Nancy has a really funny comment where she looks in the mirror and she's like, God, I look 20 years old, which is such a teenager thing to say, but also hilarious. Like, oh, muffin. You look like a perfectly normal young legal age where they still ID you to go to a bar uh, and in the United States you can't yeah. drink yet. I think it's more of a comment because at this point Nancy hasn't slept since that night really except for this once or twice that she dozed off an English class and then in the bathtub. So she asks Glenn for his help because she wants to do a little experiment. Uh, she's going to go to sleep. Glenn's going to watch her. And if she starts freaking out or whatever, then he needs to wake her up. Yes. And um, he agrees to do this even though he's clearly not... He clearly doesn't believe uh, what Nancy is saying. And it, and to be fair to everybody in this movie, Nancy hasn't slept in days. Everybody knows this. Um, so he kind of dismisses it, but is like, you know what? Just for your sanity, I'll sit here and I'll wake you up. Yes. And then uh, she's hanging out, having, having a snooze. And then Tina shows up again in her body bag. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, specifically, um, we get another kind of scene where she wakes up in bed and heads down because she hears noises outside and you're not sure if it's a dream or not because Glenn is there and he's in the street and she's like, you're watching me, right? And Glenn's like, yeah, no worries. And then uh, hides back behind the tree. Yes. And then she sees Tina. Yes, and Tina opens her mouth and a big centipede comes out of her. Big old centipede. And I did not like that even more than I didn't like his long arms. Yeah. I didn't like that centipede. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Well, actually, before that, though, she goes to the jail because she suspects that Rod might be in danger. Um, Oh, right. And she's looking down through the window and she sees down into Rod's holding cell, uh, Freddy Krueger walk in through the door and just phase right through the bars like they ain't even there. Uh, She starts pounding away at the... uh, at the window, screaming and yelling for Glenn or anybody to come to help, but Glenn doesn't come. Um, we find out later it's because Glenn fell asleep. He has one job, and yeah. it's to stay awake, and he's so bad at so it. So bad at it. But uh, then she hears Tina behind her and turns around, and there's Tina in the body bag. Yes. Uh, so she's yeah, she pukes up a centipede, and then she turns to like eels, eels? or something yeah. worms. I don't, I don't know. know. It wasn't great. It's a gross effect. It wasn't great. It's good. It's a good effect. I didn't like it emotionally. I was no. like, no, please do not. No. Fortunately, Rod wakes up enough that Freddy decides to leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Although it's unclear if she's just dreaming that Rod is there or what's... Mm-hmm. A lot of this movie, it's unclear who's actually present. Yes. But then, uh, the killer, I guess, at this point, we don't know his name is Freddy Krueger, but... I yeah, mean, we all know his name is Freddy Krueger. Even I knew his name was Freddy Krueger before I watched yeah, this film. We all know. But uh, he starts chasing Nancy uh, back to her house. And she gets through the door, locks it, and as she's heading up the stairs, her stairs have become cement. Well, Some kind of gunky goo. Uh, Yes. As she starts heading up. She has to pull her feet out of them. Pull her feet out of, yeah. And while she's struggling to do that, uh, Freddy Krueger arrives wearing Tina's face kind of poorly at the door, smashes through it, and is like, you know, Help me, help me. In Tina's voice. Save me from Freddy. And he pulls them face off and busts through the door. Um. Yes, and Nancy runs up the stairs finally and gets in her room and she's looking at herself in the mirror and she's like, it's a dream, it's a dream. And then Freddy comes flying out of the mirror and latches onto her. And latches onto her. And then there's a big scuffle. They're having some, some scuffling and some flopping. And Glenn is and asleep a in a corner. And a pillow fight. Well... More like a pillow slashing feathers everywhere. That's true. He slashes a pillow, which causes it to explode with feathers everywhere. But eventually she does wake up to find Glenn being bad at his job and she, sleeping in the chair. She wakes up because she has set an alarm clock. Yes. Which does not wake Glenn up either. Well, no, it does. No, she wakes Glenn up. She no, she doesn't. Them, yeah. It wakes them both up. Oh, I thought it, I no, thought it, it just woke her no, up. No, it wakes them both up. So the alarm clock saves Nancy. Uh, she wakes up. Yes. And she... <laughs> rightly reprimands Glenn for not being a more useful person. Glenn has one job in this movie, and he Um, is never successful at it. But then he is chased out onto the window when Nancy's mom wakes up and starts coming into the room. And Nancy notices one of the feathers from the dream is now floating in the room. So she's starting to sort of realize at this point that she can not, not only what happens to her in the dream happens to her in real life, 
but she may also be able to bring stuff into real life by touching them when she wakes up. Yes, and she also is like, hey, I definitely saw Freddy Krueger at Rod's jail cell, so we should maybe go check in on that yeah, situation. Yeah, let's go look at Rod. So her and Glenn go to the police station. At like two in the morning. Yeah, it's late. And they're, and they're like, we need to talk to Rod. And whoever is on is like, I got the night shift to get some peace and quiet. Go away. And they're like, you do not understand the situation. And uh, Nancy's dad shows up and she's like, dad, can you please at least go look at Rod? Yeah. And he's like, fine. But then the other guy has lost the keys he's, to the jail cell. He's like, where did I put those silly things? And while he's struggling to find the keys, uh, we see in Rod's cell, his blanket is starting to wrap up into a rope. And it starts to snake around his neck and tie itself off. And Rod wakes up just in the nick of time to be dragged across the room. And he starts to get hung by his neck. Yes. From this unseen force. Uh, and... I definitely thought he strangled to death in, like, ten seconds, and I was like, really? No, I'm fairly certain there's a crunch. Yes. And so his neck is broken. Um, so Nancy and Glenn and Nancy's dad and the rest of the police arrive just uh, just a little bit too late, and Rod is already hanging dead. They're, they arrive just in time, basically, to see his final three seconds on this earth. Yeah. They, they kind of see him go limp. So that's Rip Rod. Yes. Um, and so we go to Rod's funeral... Mm-hmm. And it's very sad. And it's like, priest or pastor or whoever he is, is heavily implying that because Rod killed Tina, he himself deserved to die this way? Yeah, well, it's that's, weird. well, let's bear in mind that at this point in the movie, they still think that Rod was the killer. And the police think that Rod hung himself. Yes. But that's still not how you give a eulogy at a funeral. No. no. Tina's... Tina. Nancy's dad... Is like, you need to just keep her home for a couple days. And Nancy's mom is like, no, I'm going to go get her help. I'm getting her help. And the help is some sleep scientists who are very sciencey. At the CAD, CADJA Sleep Institute for Sleep Disorders or whatever it's called. Yeah, some to that effect. Um, and then the scientist waxes poetic on dreams for a little while. We don't know what dreams are. And we get some some philosophy for like one minute. And then they're like, okay, now we just watch these numbers on a screen while she has a nap. Yeah. And uh, so Nancy falls starts to fall asleep, hooked up to all this stuff. And they start to notice their readings are a little weird and strange. Yes. Uh, specifically, the computer that's monitoring her reading starts to short out and glitch. And they're like, ah. And Nancy herself on the bed starts flailing around screaming. Yes, and Nancy's mom is there as well. She's also watching. Uh, Anyways, the scientists manage to burst into the room and wake her up. And she has managed to bring Freddy Krueger's hat back. Yeah, his fedora hat. And it's very weird to me because everyone is like, oh, where did you smuggle that in from? It's like, do you not think you would have noticed her clutching a fedora? Where is she going to put it? Like, up her butt? Uh, Like, what do you think is happening here? I don't know. So she goes back home with her mom, and Nancy's mom continues to deny kind of that anything strange is going on. And really, it would all be fixed if Nancy just got some sleep, because at this point, Nancy's been awake for like three days straight. Yeah, she's having a time. So, yeah. And then Nancy is like, well, if you look in this hat that I brought back that you refuse to acknowledge, it says the name of the guy. His name is Fred Krueger. And her mom is like... Who's that? No, her mom is like, it can't be that, because Fred Krueger is dead. Yeah. And Nancy is like, well, I'm going to go get some answers, and goes for lunch with Glenn. Yeah, goes for lunch with Glenn. In After a shot. she smashes her mom's vodka bottle. After she smashes her mom's vodka bottle on the ground, and her mom's like, no, one of my 27 bottles that I keep hidden all around this house. Of identical vodka. The, it's the same brand. I mean, I mean, that's realistic. People that are alcoholics tend to stick to the same brand, but uh, she has like... She has an infinite supply of them, though. Just hidden everywhere, yeah. Infinite. Uh, so her and Glenn go for lunch in... Jacksonville, very much not Idaho, because there's, there's fucking palm trees. palm trees everywhere, but whatever. <laughs> Tom at this point turned to me and went, that's Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and Glenn sa- tells Nancy about some Zen masters that he was reading about um, that basically could control their dreams. Yes, they get all their literature from dreams, specifically. The, they, yeah. they bring it out with them and write it down. And write it down. But uh, if they ever encounter anything nasty they don't like, then they turn their back on whatever it is they don't like because it's their belief in it that gives it power. Yeah. And they can therefore, you know, uh, be safe while they're doing that kind of dreaming. And Nancy goes, that's great. 
And then he's like, yeah, that's what I was reading. What are you reading? And Nancy's like, the anarchist cookbook. Well, not quite, but it not is a quite. manual on how to make booby traps. It's pretty much the anarchist cookbook. <laughs> yes. And yeah. she heads back home to discover her mom has installed a bunch of bars on all the windows and in, is like, answering questions about them very vaguely. In record time. It's, a, it's like an hour. It's um, just like an hour. And it's like a police... It's like a... It's intense. It's like a jail. Yes. In an hour. And Nancy's mom is like, come down to the cellar. And uh, so Nancy does, and we finally get the backstory on Freddy Krueger, who was apparently a, like, terrible child murderer who murdered 20 children. 20 children. And he went to trial, uh, but they released him because a search warrant was signed wrong. Yeah, she specifically says that the, the lawyers got fat and the judge got famous, but somebody forgot to sign a search warrant in a place, and so Freddy Krueger walked anyway. Yes. So apparently, Nancy's mom, with some other neighborhood parents, decided to go some vigilante justice, and they tracked Freddy down to the boiler room where he took his children to murder them, uh, poured a bunch of gasoline in there, and set it on fire. Set the bitch on fire. Which I would like to say... Is a valid reason to be yeah. an alcoholic. Yeah. That I'd would be, be kind of horrifying. Be kind of horrifying. Um, and she reveals that she took the knife glove of Freddy's and has been keeping it in the house. So she picks it up from under. Hidden in like an old furnace. Hidden like an old furnace. And she's like, see, I even took his glove. So she, she specifically says, mommy killed Freddy so you can go to sleep So you don't now. have to worry about it because I already took care of that guy. Yes. Which is... Pretty badass, but I mean... And Nancy immediately is like, time to call Glenn, and I'm going to plan to kill Freddy a second time. Mm -hmm. She is not dissuaded at all by this. No. Um, in fact, she actually has very little reaction to the knowledge that her mother burned a man alive yeah. in a vigilante fashion. Yeah, so... Yeah. She's just like, okay. She's like... Hey, Glenn. I always <laughs> knew there was something going on with you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from all the vodka you drink... <laughs> Uh, so Nancy calls up Glenn and is like, okay, I need you to come and meet me at midnight and we're gonna, I'm gonna pull yeah. him out of the dream. Like I pulled out his hat. And you're gonna fucking clock him over the head. Yeah. And yeah. Glenn is like, with what? And she's like, I don't know. You're the jock. You must have a baseball bat or something. Or something. Come on. Come on, man. And Glenn continues to fail at his only job yeah. in this film. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got the TV on. And he's got headphones on. And mm -hmm. he has all the lights turned on. And his mom still has to wake him up and be like... Glenn, what are you doing? Yeah, she's like, how can you how can you be listening to all records and watching TV at the same time? And he's like, Mom, it's called multitasking. Well, actually, he's like... Look it up in the Encyclopedia Britannica, God. Actually, he's like, the Miss America is going to be on. She's like, well, don't you want to hear what she has to say? And he's like, why would I want to hear anything? Why would I want to hear what she has to say? And she's like, ho, ho, my young horny teenager son. Yes. You're so funny. Go to bed. Yes, and so uh, Nancy pretends to be asleep, and her mom shows up and takes a coffee machine and, like, and a like, bunch of coffee mugs out. Because, yeah, Nancy's been using a mixture of tons of coffee and caffeine pills at this point to stay awake. Yes, and as soon as her mom leaves, she whips out a second coffee machine <laughs> yeah. and a coffee mug and is like, and starts make more coffee. more coffee. I fucking love Nancy so much. Listen... If no one else is going to solve this problem, Nancy she's going to have to solve this problem. Like, what a capable teenager. Oh she's my goodness. She's a very goodness. capable teenager. Um, so anyways, uh, she's waiting for Glenn to meet her on the porch. Um, and eventually midnight comes around. Well, and... just before midnight, she calls Glenn. Well, yeah, when she's... Because she sees that he's not here yet. And so she calls the house, uh, and Glenn's parents pick up. Because Glenn is sleeping. Again. Fucking His sleeping. mom woke him up literally 12 minutes earlier. And he's already, like... I know, Glenn. I know, Glenn. I, I know. So, but uh, Glenn's parents are like, I don't know, that Nancy girl is kind of crazy. We don't want her spending time with our son. So they're like, call back in the morning and then they disconnect the line. Well, specifically her mom is, or Glenn's mom is like, well, da 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 da, -da And Glenn's dad is like, let me have the phone. Stop calling. Call tomorrow. Slams the phone down and then unplugs it and looks at his wife and is just like. Yeah, he takes the phone he, off the receiver. Yeah. yeah, he looks at his wife and he's like, you have to be firm with these kids. Let's go to bed. And you're like. <laughs> And you're like, your son's about to die. But also, you know your son is dating someone whose best friend was horribly murdered five days ago. Yeah. Guys. Come and, on. And, and I think there's a line also where uh, Glenn's mom is like, that poor girl's just been through a lot, man. Give, cut her some slack. Yeah, Glenn's dad is terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, Nancy tries to phone him. Nancy tries to phone him um, and the sec a second time and only gets scratching on the other side, like the, the, the knife on the metal scratch. And she goes, ah, don't like that. Hangs up. 
unplugs her phone and then wraps it up. And as she's making her way away, the phone rings again. And yes. she is like, that's not cool. It's not plugged in. No, so she answers it and it says, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. And then a tongue comes out of the phone and licks her face. And I didn't like tongue, tongue coming out, out of the, the phone, phone either. It's, it's like a full like lips on the speaking part. And it bleh, licks the side of her face. Yes. Uh, Nancy didn't like it either. because So she throws the phone on the ground and breaks it up. And starts shouting out her window for Glenn. And we see what Glenn's sloth has wrought him. Yes, Glenn is lying on the bed, and then the the bed starts to, like, suck him in. Uh, a hand jumps up or in, wraps around him and pulls him into the bed, uh, folding him in half into a small hole, and his TV goes down with him, and all of his, and his, like, headset and stuff go down with him, and there's just a black hole in the bed, and you're like, whoa, there goes Glenn, what the hell? And then a big geyser of blood shoots out from the hole in the bed, causing blood to pool all over the ceiling. And once again, this scene was filmed in the upside-down room. So they were actually dropping blood from the ceiling to allow it to pool on the on the floor, which was the ceiling. Yes. Uh, which gave it the weird kind of looking effect. But when that happened, they didn't account for the weight of all the extra blood, which caused the room to tilt. So the blood actually starts to collect in just a corner of the ceiling. It's like running sideways. It's on like the running ceiling. sideways, but what's really cool about the shot is all the electricity, electronic devices and stuff like that that are hanging loose are also off to the side and draining off to the side, which gives it this whole other weird, eerie kind of look. Uh, because couple, the blendering was not eerie enough. But like the whole thing altogether is just a perfect. Um a couple of people that were on set actually got electrocuted because the... Not uh, fatally. Not fatally. No, they, they, they're fine. But uh, because the blood and the electricity, just it was a lot. Yes, and then Glenn's mom is like, that's a weird noise, and opens the door and just starts screaming, which is valid. Because she's like, ah, blood. Ah, blood on the ceiling. Why is the blood on the ceiling? The blood is still spurting out of the bed when she opens yeah. the door. She is very much witnessing the whole blenderizing of her son. Of her son, yeah. Well, not really. She's just witnessing the results of the blenderizing. Yes, um, I've decided that's a word now, by the way. Blenderizing. That's pretty much what happens to me. It's mulched. Yes. Shouldn't have fallen asleep, Glenn. R.I.P. Glenn slash Johnny Depp. And so Nancy goes around and starts building... Yeah. Uh, Booby traps. Yes. And then the police show up and paramedics show up and one of the police is like, you don't need a stretcher. You need a mop. Yeah. Oh, geez. So yeah, it's pretty evident to Nancy at this point that she's going to have to deal with this on her own. Nobody's going to help her. Uh, although I guess first she does try to enlist the help of her dad because she calls into Glenn's house and gets a hold of her dad who's come to the crime scene and is like, hey, I'm going to go to bed in 20 minutes. You need to be here so that you can kill him because I'm going to take him out of my dream and then you'll be able to... Or she actually says, and then arrest him. Like, Okay. Uh, she's trying to be a good law-abiding citizen, good law abiding citizen, but uh, And her dad's like, yeah, no, you go to sleep, I'll be there, don't worry about it. And we're like, no, you won't. To be fair, he is showing up at a crime scene where someone has just been blenderized. He's and like, that's... what's the coroner's report? And the other cop is like, the coroner has been throwing up since he got here. I have no <laughs> report yet, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, Nancy does uh, booby trap up the house. Home Alone style, with like a sledgehammer and an exploding light bulb, light bulb that she fills with like gunpowder and shit. It's, awesome. it's a whole thing. It's awesome. It's a whole thing. Um, and then she goes to sleep, and yeah, yeah, she uh, wakes up in the boiler room. She's gonna go look for the boiler room, and she's she's got like no qualms about this. She's like, Freddy, come here, Freddy. Um, and Freddy does indeed show up. Yeah. Well, she goes down into her basement. She wakes up in her bed, goes down to her basement, and there's a new door that's there, and she opens it up, and oh, that's, that's how the she boiler gets to the boiler room. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she goes down to the boiler then room. Then she goes down to the boiler room. Yes. Um, and then uh, Freddy shows up and is trying to do his, like, cat and mouse, like, giggity giggity thing, mm -hmm. and Nancy is like, no, I've had enough of yeah. you, sir. But she can't seem to find him, and that's... The frustrating part because she needs to touch him when she comes out and she's looking at her watch to see how much time she has left before her alarm is set to go off to wake her up yes um she's desperately trying to look for him uh and eventually she ends up getting tackled out of the second story of her or she gets she jumps out a door that's in the boiler room and that door turns out to be the window on the second story of her house so she falls into the yard and l luckily she uh her fall is cushioned by the trellis of roses that have been taken down uh, to accommodate the bars on the window. She falls onto that, and her time timer is counting down, and she's like, shit, shit, shit. 
But then Freddy appears, and instead of running away from him, she runs straight at him, jumps at him, wraps her hands around him, and then wakes up as her alarm goes off. Yes, and can I just say, having your two-story fall being broken by a rose bush would not be as comfy as she no. makes it out to no, be. She's like, oh, that could have been a lot worse. Like, no, it really could not have. Well, it could have been. Well... Like, hypodermic needles would be way worse to land on. Sure. I would probably rather just land on the lawn, though, than, like, a proper rosebush. A big rosebush like that has, like, some wicked thorns. And and they're gnarly stems. They're really woody. Like, that would not break your fall. That would just impale you. That's true. Yes. But anyways, Freddy is in the real world now. Yeah, so, well, at first Nancy sits up in the bed and is looking around, and it doesn't seem like her plan worked. And she goes, oh, no, I am actually crazy. This isn't working. But then Freddy's like, hello there. Hops up. Yes, and she starts screaming for, like, out the window for her dad, and this, like, dumbass cop is like, What's going on up there, Nancy? And she's like, Get my dad! He's here! He's gonna kill me! And he's like, Well, that sounds like a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> and so Nancy is, like, running around. She, uh, locks the door and makes her way out into the outside hall. Um, and, and sets her sledgehammer. And sets her sledgehammer trap. And Freddy Krueger eventually breaks out the door. And, and gets sledgehammered. And he gets sledgehammered to the stomach. And then he, reeling from the blow, falls off the banister uh, down the stairs where he lands with a big crunch. As Nancy makes her way to the front door, smashes the window in the front door, and is calling out uh, for her yes. dad. And they're like, maybe we should go get the sergeant. Yeah, the lieutenant. Yeah, they're like, hmm. Perhaps the screaming teenager may mm. be a problem oh, that we should consider. Something we may not have mentioned that might help everybody visualize this is that Nancy and Glenn live across the street from each other. Oh, yes. They do. Yeah. Well, I guess Glenn did live. He's dead now. Past tense. Um, past, past Glenn. He was glend. Glenderized. He was... Aha! See what I did there? There we go. Uh, um, so... Freddy ends up uh, chasing Nancy once more around the house, uh, this triggering the exploding uh, light, light bulb, bulb, which knocks him over, and Nancy brings him down into the basement, where she's prepared a jar of gasoline, and she gets the jump on him, throws the jar of gasoline at him, lights a match, and then throws it on him, and he gets lit the fuck on fire. And just before she lights him on fire, it's the only time he looks concerned, because that's how he died. Yeah, he's like, wait, no, don't! And then... Yes. And then he's on fire, and, and he's chasing her on fire. And we get a sick fire stunt where uh, uh, Freddy, on completely wreathed in flames, crawls up the stairs, falls down the stairs, and then crawls back up the stairs all in one take. Yeah, it's really good. It's good. And um, meanwhile, the police, including her dad, have shown up and are like, arrived. shit, there's smoke coming from the house. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you come get me earlier? And the sergeant's like, or the policeman's like, oh. Yeah, so they... They enlist uh, the help of several policemen, and they break down the front door. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we should mention, she wasn't able to get out of the house because her mom changed the locks yeah. and was too drunk to know where her keys were. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, and so the police all break in, and Nancy's like, he's in the basement, go get him, because there's smoke coming up from the basement. So the police all head down the stairs, uh, and then Nancy's dad is like, what the hell is going on? And Nancy goes, oh God, as she realizes that there's a trail of fire leading around the house and then up the stairs. And yes. she's like, ah, he's going after mom. Flaming footprints, specifically. Flaming footprints that look legit. Yes. Um, so she heads up the stairs with her dad uh, and breaks into her mom's room to find Freddy Krueger on fire, straddling her mom in bed. I think he's smothering her. Smothering her, yeah. yeah. And Nancy picks up a chair or a table or something. It's a chair. It's a chair, hits him off. Uh, across the side of the head of the chair doesn't quite knock him off uh, and then her dad leaps onto the bed with a blanket to try and extinguish the flames. Yes, and when he pulls the blanket off, the bed has now become a like backlit glowy blue hole and her mom's like desiccated smoldering corpse is slowly sinking down Slowly like sinks down into the hole and then they watch as the hole starts to slowly cover up until it's just a bed again. Yes, and Nancy looks at her dad, and she's like, do you believe me now? And we're all like, yeah, that dad better listen to everything Nancy says for the rest of her life. Her dad just gives her a hug, and then it's like, okay, let's go downstairs. And she's like, I have something else I need to do. I'll be okay. And closes the door behind her dad. Uh, and then... Freddy starts to rise up from the from the sheets. It's very reminiscent of the first scene where he's pushing th- kind of through the, through the wall. wall. Yeah. Because he's pushing his way up through the bed, which is very latexy, and then he slashes the, the yeah. sheet and steps out. And specifically, she's not facing him. She's turned away from him, and she's saying, like, uh, I know how it works now. 
and I know that I gave, I'm, I'm taking back every little bit of power I gave you. Yes. And she goes to reach for the doorknob, and Freddy's like, no, and lunges at her and dissolves into glittery blue dust just before he touches her. Yeah. Because she doesn't believe in him anymore. Because she doesn't believe in him anymore, which is uh, a throwback to what Glenn was telling her about the Zen Masters dreaming and not giving their dreams power. R.I.P. Glenn. Yeah, Rip Glenn. You did, I guess you did do one good thing in this movie. <laughs> it wasn't your job, though, because you only had one job, and you were bad and at it. And you were bad at your job. Yes. Um, so anyways, uh, with Freddy Krueger defeated, the next... Question mark? The next scene, uh, Nancy, and that's where Wes Craven originally wanted the movie to end. He wanted it to end there, but the studio insisted on this extra ending that's been tacked on, which I think is the weakest part of the film. It but makes no sense. It makes no sense. She walks out the door, um... And it's bright outside. But and, also foggy. And, but also foggy. It's, clear, it's, it's done in the exact same way that the dream sequences have been done. But it's also... Do you know what it reminds me of? Mm-hmm. It's the exact same lighting as the scene, the end scene in Carrie where she's walking through in oh, the yeah, white dress. Yeah, yeah. It's when the she, weird ethereal she, too bright. When she walks up to the ruined house and yeah. Carrie White grump jumps it's out and grabs her. It's the exact yeah, yeah. same yeah. lighting, angle, all of it's, that. It's meant to imply a dream, I think. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, we see that... Nancy's mom is alive, and she's like, I've decided to quit drinking. I just don't feel like I need to drink anymore. Well, specifically, she's like, they say you bottom out when you don't remember the night before. Yes. So she obviously has no recollection of what's happened. No. Um, And she's like, Nancy, you look kind of tired. And she's like, no, I guess I just slept, finally. And then a car shows up with Rod and Tina and the Glenn in it. It's the whole gang. Yes, and they get in. the mystery machine. They get in, uh, and it's a convertible. And then the top comes, and the top is Freddy Krueger's sweater. It's his sweater stripes, and the and the windows start to get rolled up, and Glenn, who's behind the wheel, is like, I'm not doing any of this! And they start screaming, and Nancy starts beating on the window. Nancy realizes she is not escaped. Not, not escaped yet. She's beating on the window, screaming for her mom, and we get the... And her mom is just waving merrily, like, bye. Worst fucking goddamn effect ever, as the door's window gets broken... A hand reaches out, grabs Nancy's mum by the neck, and then pulls her through the tiny window. Real fast. Really fast, and it's so obviously a dummy, and it just looks terrible. It's bad. And then we end with a shot of some children jumping rope in all white dresses. While they sing, uh, one, two, phrase come for you, as, uh, yeah, the convertible goes away with Nancy screaming. And that's the end of the movie. It's a much better movie without that scene. Yeah, I <laughs> hate, no I, I hate the ending. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really do. But that's, uh... Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street for you. So now that we're done breaking it down for you, is the part of the episode where we are going to be assigning it some ratings. So Vicky, scale of 1 to 10, how much did you enjoy this movie? Ooh, we're starting with enjoying. I don't know. We normally, we normally start with how scary it was. Shake things up. Scary is always last. I feel like we have no consistent... I feel like we think we have a consistent system, <laughs> it's just but we, we don't. Feel like it's that whatever we, we feel like that way. That's valid. Can. How much did I enjoy it? Like a... Like a 7? I did not enjoy the long arms or the centipede coming out of her mouth or like I didn't enjoy those parts you're not supposed to but I felt it was it was like an elevated version of a slasher I was it was I was more sophisticated so I was able to appreciate the shots of like her in the bath with Freddy Krueger's hand in a way I couldn't appreciate shots in like Friday the 13th because it's not about sex and sex a teenager it's about like oh no so I thought like on the whole, it was a relatively enjoyable film. Seven, yeah. Yeah, that's actually what I'd give it as well, is a seven. It, um, compared to the first, or compared to the Friday the 13th series, I appreciate it more. My favorite of all time, like slasher movies, obviously, to Halloween. But um, A Nightmare on Elm Street is pretty comparable. It's not as good, but it, it's kind of close-ish to me. So yeah, a seven is for me how much I enjoyed it. So now on a scale of one to ten, how well made was it? Considering it was made in the 80s, I would probably give it an 8. I really like the practical effects they use. They're they're really well done. I think they utilize the dreams really well. They do a good job of like recognizing that weird things happen in dreams, but having that not apply to the real world, which I appreciated. Um, I also appreciated that their version of A Nightmare wasn't just like, Ooh, spooky fire or something. So I think on the whole, they they constructed a pretty good film. And it's obviously the... That wasn't English. It's obvious they thought about the shots they were making. Mm -hmm. Like, it's obvious the scenes aren't just, here's some softcore porn, you know? It's They've each got a purpose and they've got an angle and, like, it's not just, like, shot, 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 shot. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. 
mostly because the effects are all great, except for that last one. The last one sucks. We're not going to talk about it. that one. Um, but the upside down room is just so good. Both of those scenes are just so great and masterful, and I love them. There's a couple of really great shots. Um, I love the characters. I think the characters are all well written. I appreciate they're teenagers. They yeah. actually feel like teenagers. Yeah. It doesn't feel like twenty year olds in yeah. a teenager's body. I really like how capable our final girl and Nancy is. Um, it's just and and Robert England as Freddy Krueger is just is great. Uh, way way better than just a faceless killer that's not going to say anything. Yeah, it is um, nice to have a character, a, not just like a guy. A guy in a mask that kills people. Yeah, totally. Uh, so an eight for me. Uh, now on a scale of one to ten, how scary was it? Like a five? There were definitely moments where I was like, nope, 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 nope. There was never a moment where I was like, my fear never extended past the TV, if that makes sense. Like some of the, some of the movies that have really scared me have made me feel like uncomfortable in the living room. I never felt that in this movie. I never was like, oh no, I was never checking over my shoulder or anything. Um, but definitely I, I was engrossed enough in the film to be like, ah, a couple times, so... Sure. You saw me when the centipede came out of her face. I straight up was like, nope. Mm-hmm. Like, put my hands up and didn't mm-hmm. want to deal with that. So, like, a five. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a three. Um, it's got some creepy effects. It's got some good gore uh, when it chooses to show you gore. For me, a lot of... Freddy Krueger is kind of a sillier character. He's a lot more campy. He and is. so I don't find him as scary as, say, Michael Myers. Uh, that being said, there's there's a lot of really good effects, and the uh, the general premise of an enemy that you uh, you can't get away from it, you have to sleep eventually. You're yeah. gonna die eventually. There's nothing you can do about it. The, that is a scary premise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I give it a three. I could see how people would be bugged by it even today, watching yeah. it if you had thin skin. Yeah, one thing I I do want to mention that I appreciated about Freddy as like a villain specifically, mm-hmm. is that they didn't try to make it some weird mumbo-jumbo to explain how he was back. Like, they had the backstory and he died, but they never tried to do the, like, shoehorned in, oh, well, it was voodoo, or he was buried in this grave, or anything like that. It wasn't even like, and now he's out for revenge. It was just, mm-hmm. he's a villain. Which I really appreciated, because I felt a lot of the other slashers we watched have tried to, like, shoehorn an explanation for why this is all happening like in dead silence it's oh yeah, this, yeah. That, and the other thing. or like in friday the 13th it's because they were having sex and didn't pay attention to this kid drowning and then jason was getting revenge for his mom yeah, yeah. so i appreciate that he was just allowed to be a villain who was doing villain things that are obviously supernatural and it didn't try to explain it to us it didn't need us to understand to enjoy the film no it trusted, which i liked it trusted us as an audience which i liked um, so that was Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, join us next time when we will be covering a- another slasher movie, uh, albeit on a smaller scale, when we come back with Child's Play. Until then, though, this has been Scaredy Cats. I'm Thomas J. Sopvet. And I'm your co-host, Vicky Sopvet. We hope everybody out there is being safe in this outbreak and with the various protests and whatnot that are going on. So... If you're at a protest, wear a mask. We are still in a pandemic. Yes. Uh, But otherwise, we hope everybody is doing okay. So thank you for listening and be cool to each other.